there's a children's book out there entitled The Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day by Judith Forst. And I don't know if any of you have ever had days like that. But it begins, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I've had days like that, and I'm sure most of you had to have too. Tonight, I'm going to share a little bit about the story of Job. You know, Job had one of those days, way worse than what Alexander had in this little children's story. But um, I'd like for us to look at, you know, Job in the first chapter. The scripture tells us he was from the land of Uz and that he was a man who was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters and that he sacrificed every day for his children because he wanted to make sure that they were going to make it to heaven. And uh, he had a large number of servants. He had um, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. And he was the greatest man in all of the East. And it's, you know, I don't even know how much all of that would comprehend, uh, come up to if we were to take that and figure it out because the price of animals is always changing. But back in his day, he was a very, very wealthy man. And everybody looked up to him, and Job sat in the gates, and he was one of the men who was in leadership over, his, over the uh, area that he lived in. And his children would take turns on their days, and they would go to each other's houses, and they would feast together and, and uh, have big celebrations. And in Job chapter 1, verse 6, the scripture tells us that one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge about him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hand. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. And as we look at this scripture here, we see that Satan is not merely an evil influence. Satan is a person here. He is talking. He's carrying on a conversation with God. And he has evil intent, so he has emotions. And his desire is, at the very least, he'd like to destroy Job. However, God is sovereign, and he can only go so far. And God says, this is as far as you can go, and that's it. But do you notice that God is the one who started the conversation about Job? God brought it up. Hey, have you seen my servant Job? I mean, this guy, he is special. He loves me. He serves me. He he's just he doesn't do anything wrong in my sight. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but I have. I wonder how many times God has conversations about me. Or about you. Does he ever bring your name up before? Satan and say, hey, have you looked at this servant of mine over here? Have you seen how closely he walks to me? I can trust him intimately and he is going to do everything that I tell him to do. And Satan says, ah, now you let me do this to him. 
You let me do that to him. He'll turn his back on you. And I just wonder how many times. I, don't, I think this was put in here not just as a good story for us to read. I think there's a purpose in this here. I think that we are to understand here that God is in control of the situation. And God allows these times to come. But a few days after this conversation takes place, while Job is sitting there, a servant comes running up to him. And he said, the Sabians have come. They've taken all your oxen and donkeys, and they've killed all the servants but one. And while he's still talking, another one comes and says, fire fell from heaven and killed all the uh, sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one that escaped alone to come to you. And then another, while he's still talking, here comes another servant. The Chaldeans took the camels and they killed all the servants and I'm the only one that's escaped to come and tell you. And then another servant comes while he's speaking and says, your children were feasting in their eldest brother's house. A great wind came and destroyed their home. All your children are gone and I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you. Now, I've lost a few close people in my life, but to think of losing 10 children and everything that you own in one day, I can't imagine what Job went through and how he felt at that time. But the scripture says that Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin, but he fell down and he worshipped God quite a statement to make about him isn't it but you know what it makes me want to cheer for Job because he gave Satan a black eye that day (laughs) he showed God how how much he loved him and Satan was proved wrong once again but a few days later Satan comes back in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 1 Satan comes again to to God and he, he the angels are talking with God and on Um, I'll just read that. And on another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord. He goes to Job and he strikes him with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. I've not had a boil personally, but I've talked to people who have. And I've heard how terribly painful they are. And the ones I've talked to have had one or two of them. I can't imagine what this must have felt like, the pain that he endured. Having this from head to toe. And the scripture says he got an old pot's hurt, a piece of pottery. And he would scratch himself. And and he was so swollen and, and ugly looking. He had friends who came that didn't even recognize him. Because he was so disfigured from what he had gone through. And... Um, his wife comes and God used his wife or Satan used his wife here to come and to tempt him and say, why don't you just curse God and die? You've lost everything. Our kids are gone. Why don't you just curse God and die? 
But Job, he says, no. He says, you're talking like a foolish woman. Should I expect God to always give me good stuff? He's going to sometimes allow things, bad things to happen. And, you know, we think of this. Job and his wife had no idea that these conversations between Satan and God had been going on. They don't understand that Satan is out there to test them and to try them. And um, she's also just lost ten children. She's lost everything she owns. They've now, they were the richest in the East, and now they're in poverty. They have nothing. This woman is in a difficult situation. And Satan uses her to try to get Job to turn his back on God. And, you know, I, I think um, that from this we can learn some really important lessons from this scripture. I mean, I, I look at other people in the Bible. You look at Abraham. Was there a conversation between God and Abraham about his son Isaac? Did, did Satan go to God and say, yeah, you let me take that only son of his. You let me get rid of him and he'll turn his back on you. And we know Abraham was tested. God told him to sacrifice his son. He took his son, he took the firewood, and they went up the mountains ready to do exactly what God told him to do. Now, God did not allow that son to be killed because that was not part of God's plan. He intervened. We look at Joseph, sold by his brothers into a foreign land. God had a purpose for him, but did Satan and God have a conversation? And Satan said, yeah, but you let me tempt him. You let me at him, and I'll get him to turn his back on you. And he sent Potiphar's wife along. He had him sent to prison. All these horrible things happened to him. Did did Joseph turn his back on God? No, he stayed true, even through the trials and the testings that God sent his way. He was even there in prison for a couple years, and, and, and God used him in a great way. And then when his brothers came, Perhaps there was a conversation. Huh? You let me at him. I'll tempt him to get. He'll get even with you. With, he'll want to get even with these brothers when they come along. But he didn't do that. He showed his brothers God's love and compassion, and he straight, stayed true to God, even when he had the opportunity to to get even with those brothers who had treated him so horribly. Or you take Daniel. Here he is. He's told not to pray to, to God, or you're going to get thrown in the lion's den. What if that happened here in America and we were told that we couldn't pray anymore to Jesus or something horrible was going to happen to us? Maybe there was a conversation between God and Satan. Satan said, you let me test him and he's going to turn his back on you. But Daniel didn't. Daniel stayed firm. He stayed true and he served the Lord and he did exactly what God wanted him to do. What about our lives Maybe we have a loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of relationships. These are tests and trials that come into our lives, and it's how we handle them. Can God look down at us and say, oh, but this one, you know, you, you can test them and try them. Don't, don't take their life. You can send trials into their life. And I believe that she'll stand true. I believe he'll stand true no matter what you throw in their pathway. Is God able to say about us, oh, but this servant of mine is blameless? You know, blameless means to be innocent of wrongdoing, to be guiltless, to be faultless. Can God say that about us? 
Or can he say that we are upright and, and righteous and honest and just? Can he say that we fear God and that we're going to stand in awe of him and do exactly what he wants us to do no matter what comes our way? That we fear displeasing him and we fear disrespecting him? Do we shun evil? Do we desire no part in anything evil going on? And as I was I reading um, a dictionary, um, it said, In contending with certain sins, there remains no mode of victory but by flight. He who would be safe from acts of evil must haste away from occasions of it. And, you know, there's times in our life when we may have to do that. We may have to turn around and run away from something if we want to stay true and firm and follow God and do what he wants us to do. You know, God allows us to be tested and tempted. But you notice from this story, he's not the one who did it. God didn't go down there and just take all his animals. And God didn't go down there and kill his children. You know, God gets blamed for a lot of things he doesn't do. Satan did it. Satan was the one who was behind those tests and those trials that came into his life. And 1 Corinthians tells us that even though God will allow these things to happen, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And God was there. He was watching Job. He saw what Job went through. And he did not allow him to be tested above what he knew he could handle. And he won't allow us to be tested above that either. He will be with us and walk with us through everything that's thrown in our pathway. And James 1.13 says, Let no one, when he is tempted, say, I am tempted by God. I'm sorry, I'm reading out of a different version. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. God's not the one who's throwing things in your pathway. Satan's doing it. God is allowing it to happen. But Satan's the one who comes along and throws things in our pathway. But we also know that when these things come, God has a purpose in it. God had a purpose in what he allowed to happen to Job because God was testing him. He was allowing him to be tested and tried so he could prove his faithfulness. And James 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when we go through hard times, when we're allowed to be tested and tried and tempted, it's to help to strengthen us, to give us a stronger metal so that we can stand up to anything that comes our way. Now, I'm afraid that I have not yet reached the point of counting it all joy when I fall into trials. I'm still working on that. It's just hard. Sometimes you look at that scripture and you think, Lord, how can I possibly consider it joyful for this test to come my way? This situation I'm going through, it's not joyful. How can I do that? And all I can do is is praise God that he is there with me and he's walking with me through it. And that there's going to be an end in sight and he's going to be there for that too. But um, I was thinking as I was studying over this scripture, thinking about a lady that I know who came to Christ as a child. She got married when she was 18 years old. And she prayed that God would not give her any children. 
unless they would serve the Lord. About a year after she got married, she lost her first child. He was stillborn. She continued to pray that way, even though she had lost that child. She um, later had three more children. At the age of 26, she lost her husband. She had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And, you know, I think of this person, and I think, wonder what the conversation was between God and Satan in her life. God knew he could trust her through those losses and through those difficult times. She had some financial years after that as a widow with three little ones. She later remarried, and a few years after she had remarried, she had another child. When he was 18 years old, he was killed in an automobile accident. And I watched this woman. Never once did her faith waver. Never once did she turn her back on God. Never once did I hear her grumble or complain. In fact, I've heard her say, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. God took care of me, and he took me through. And I know this lady real well because that's my mother I'm talking about. And I watched her life. She's the one that led me to, to Jesus. She stayed firm. She stayed true. She stayed on the narrow path no matter what was thrown her way. And I know that he can do that for each one of us, too. Because God is right there walking with us through every situation in life that we are faced with. He's going to take care of us and he's going to walk with us. Because we know in 1 Corinthians 10.13, he said he's watching us so that we're not tempted more than we can bear. God knew exactly what Job was going through. He was right there walking beside him every step of the way. Keeping an eye on him that Satan didn't push the limits. And back um, a number of years ago, I read an illustration. This illustration was about a woman who was having a dream. And in her dream, she saw three women praying. And as they prayed, the Lord came near. And he walked over. The first woman was kneeling in prayer, and he walked over to her, and, and he reached down, and he spoke some loving words to her and, and patted her on the head and, and was very, very gracious to her. He walked over to the second woman and he kind of looked at her and nodded his head and just kind of patted her head a little bit. Didn't say a whole lot. Just kind of walked on by. And he went to the third woman who was praying. And he just kind of walked by, hardly glanced at her. And the woman in her dream was trying to figure this all out. And she thought, oh, surely he must have loved that first woman greatly because he went over and he, he spoke words of love and encouragement to her. And, and he was just so gracious with her. The second woman must have done something that bothered him a little bit because he didn't say hardly anything to her. And boy, that third woman, he must, she must really have displeased him because he just almost neglected her. And then the Lord came to the woman who was dreaming came to her in her dream, and he says, oh, how wrongly you've interpreted me. He said, you see that first woman, he said, I had to speak words of love and encouragement to her, and keep, and, and I have to do that to her frequently on a regular basis because she's weak and she's, she's new and she, she's still trying to walk my walk, but she needs my love and encouragement or she may fall by the wayside. And he said, the second woman, he said, she's much stronger in her faith, and I can trust her with more. And he says, I know she's going to serve me and stay close, but now and then she needs a little encouragement along the way. And this third woman, 
He said, she loves me so intimately and so closely. He says, I can trust her. I don't even... I don't even have to be all that close to her. I can trust her that she's going to serve me whether I'm there, whether she knows I'm there or not. She's going to stay true no matter what she's faced with. As a college student, when I read that, I prayed, Lord, I want to be like the third woman. I want to become like that. And I meant it. But, you know, time went by, and I kind of forgot about that prayer. I just continued serving the Lord and doing what he wanted me to do. I I felt he wanted me to do it from day to day. But, you know, there was a day a couple years ago when I was going through some hard days. And I said, Lord, why? Why am I going through this? And the Lord said, do you remember that prayer you prayed? I was like, oh, (laughs) kind of forgot about that. It had been so many years. Sorry. But you know, that should be the place that we all want to be. That we want to love him so intimately and so closely that he can have a conversation with Satan and he can look at us and he can say, but did you see this servant of mine? They trust me so completely, so totally that I can trust them with anything. You could take their houses. You could take their lands. You could take everything they've got. You can take their children or their spouse or whatever, and they're going to stay true. And you know, that's, that's the place I want to be in. And I hope you do too. But you know, the next time you have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, remember that even though you're having that kind of a day, God has allowed it, but he's there with you through it. He's not the one doing it. He's not the one giving you those terrible things that you're going through. But he's walking with you through it every step of the way. He's not going to give you more than you can bear. And we can trust him and believe in him, and he will take us every step of the way. He will stay close to us. Brad's going to come and lead us in a song. You're going to get out early tonight.